Umajina Trimnandasya, Jina Jina Salakaya, Chakshu Unmilitanyena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. Panchakapadu Vishya, Krupasindave Vacha, Patita Nam Pavanevyo Vaishnavijanamo Namaha. So, good evening everyone. Thank you for coming to our continued discussions on the Satsandarvas of Srila Jiva Goswami. We're still dealing with the nature of knowing, uh, and specifically that knowing which is critical to the purpose of Srila Jiva Goswami's presentation. That knowing that brings us to an understanding that the supreme knowable, if there is any truth, that truth that's worth knowable, that uh, that if we were to find that, we will find that in uh, Sri Sri Radha and Krishna. The purpose of his treatise is to bring us to the conclusion of sound knowledge, and how to acquire it, and the valid source for that knowledge that provides the conclusion that the absolute truth is Sri Krishna <coughs> and establishes the methodology to actualize that truth. So when we look to uh, the nature of what's being presented here, we're looking at a presentation that is meant to give us entrance into knowledge that's very specific knowledge about Sambandha, Abhidaya, and Prayojan, and knowledge that can be, as I said, actualized. It can be effectuated in our own consciousness. It can uh, lead us of its own nature to revelation. It's quite exciting in that way. So we left off in our last discussion, I guess I'm ahead of myself. We should probably say some invocational prayer. It would be good to call the energy of the Supreme so that uh, whatever we do here is ultimately and totally successful. We've been chanting, and we'll chant again now, the invocational verse for the whole Satsandharma. As, uh, Jiva Goswami has outlined his Mangalacharana prayers. This is the very beginning, and it establishes firmly what is his his praying prayojan, his the source of his praying. Uh, we can chant responsibly. Krishna varnam tu sa Krishnam. Krishna varnam tu sa Krishnam. Sangopangastra parsadam. Sangopangastra parsadam. Yajnai sankirtana prayar. Yajnai sankirtana prayar. Yajantihi sumedasa. Yajantihi sumedasa. In the age of Kali, intelligent persons perform congregational chanting to worship the incarnation of Godhead, who constantly sings the names of Krishna. Although his complexion is not blackish, he is Krishna himself. He is accompanied by his associates, servants, weapons, and confidential companions. 
So in the Srimad Bhagavatam, this specific verse gives indication to that very confidential manifestation of the Supreme Lord, Krishna, uh, within the age of Kali. Cloaked as he is in the in the garb and the mentality of a sadhika, overtaken by the mellow of Radhadasyam. So we're going to come to a point in this evening's discussion where this will be dealt with in a very profound way. So we're speaking still about epistemology, the nature of knowing, and we ended the last discourse with a pastime from the Varaha Parana of Gautama Muni and his stealing the knowledge of the Brahmanas, how that knowledge uh, had to be provided again in its entirety. So from the way the narration goes, it appears that he completely robbed human society of of all the Vedic information. So therefore, Veda Vyas came in order to re-give the Vedas and to also fortuitously uh, gave them in Dwarpa Yuga and then he proceeded to divide the Vedas and make them a literary contribution as opposed to a spoken contribution for the poor unfortunate people of Kali Yuga ourselves who are very short-lived and short of memory both. Vyasadeva's verdict uh, in Kali Yuga there was just very little intelligence to understand the Vedas and we've already gone through from Jiva Goswami some pretty powerful uh, arguments um, stating that it's Vedic knowledge in this age and at this time is more or less out of the reach of humanity in, at large for, of course, uh, the reasons of the short life and the short memory and the fact that also the disciplic successions themselves for those particular Vedas are not very prevalent at this time. But the Puranas are there, and the Mahabharata is there, and we can take advantage of those. And all the Vedic requirements are, are not necessary in order, in order to acquire the very same knowledge that's available in the Veda. Uh, from the Mahabharata and from the Puranas. Uh, and we went over the statistics and the numbers and how little of the Veda is available and, and how even though the Puranas uh, in the celestial realm or uh, what is it, a billion verses, our little 400,000 contains all the essence. So it's not that we're without the complete, a complete enough presentation to derive ultimate benefit from what is available to us. But there is a key. If we want to acquire that benefit, we have to actualize that knowledge. 
And that part of that actualization is, and the prominent part of that actualization is, learning the Puranic knowledge from the bona fide spiritual master. Tasmadgurum prapajeta jignasu shreya uttama. If we want our ultimate well-being, shreya uttama, what's best for us, then we need this knowledge, but we have to take it from a reliable source. Then Srila Jiva Goswami goes forward and he looks at what, where we should take the knowledge, which is the Puranas. And he does that in uh, Anucheta 17, talking about the three divisions of the Puranas. And he discusses two things here in these Anuchetas. Uh, they're in parts. Uh, four different parts establishing the basically in this area this Anucheta establishing what's involved when we look to take knowledge from the Puranas so we know there's 18 major Puranas How should, where, where in the Puranas is the best knowledge and how should we approach the Puranas? Should we just read from the beginning to the end? Well, we know we need a, a guru to help us actualize and, and find out. But he's also going to give us some indication here because he's, he's establishing the validity of one, one of these Puranas very specifically. For, for, so first he deals with the fact that of the 18 Puranas deal with and are presented according to the mentality and the psychologies of humanity. And we know that these psychologies of humanity are, are controlled by what? By the modes of material nature. So what's pointed out here is if you look at the Puranas, they're also divided for those those sections of humanity, and present it. So there are six Puranas in the mode of ignorance, six in the mode of passion, and six in the mode of goodness. And when we look to Puranic knowledge and what constitutes a Purana, it has, it has characteristics. So what are the characteristics of a Purana? Now, we, we've touched upon in prior presentations the ten characteristics of the Srimad Bhagavatam. But when we look to Puranas in general, there are five characteristics that are there in all of them. Uh, creation. How does the creation come about? The dissolution. So we're looking about the material universe. The lines of, of saintly kings, the dynasties, and the reigns of Manu. The reigns of Manu basically encompass what? A conceptualization of 
the cyclical nature of time. Because when we study the Manus, there are 14 Manus in a day of Brahma, and each Manu resides over 71 cycles of the four Yugas. So it gives us a conception of cyclical time within the material universe. And the activities of illustrious kings and enlightened stages of great dynasties. So these are five items in a Puranic presentation. And the Puranas are presented according to the audience's position within the modes of material nature. It's pointed out here that just as all the avatars appear in every day of Brahma, similarly all the Puranas appear in a similar fashion. They appear in every day of Brahma. And the Vedas are referred to as Shruti, revelation of sound. If we look to the Puranas, the majority of them have no current supportable disciplic succession at this time in Kali Yuga. And as we've heard already, all this Vedic knowledge has to come down in an unbroken chain of, of pure disciplic succession. Now it may become, it may be manifest or unmanifest, but it does need to have a connection that is sound, a parampara. And most of the Puranas at this time are incomplete. Uh, there's variant readings of them. People have given variant commentaries based on their perspectives and uh, interpolations. Therefore, Jiva Goswami at this point in his presentation says, let me offer a solution here. Let me, let me present something that will resolve this. I propose that we take a look at the Srimad Bhagavatam as the ultimate Purana from which we can attain reliable knowledge at this point in time. So this brings us to the last Anucheda of this beginning epistemological presentation regarding overall knowledge in the Veda. And then we will go this, proceed this evening into this another section dealing specifically with Srimad Bhagavatam because he does want to establish in a very firm way, just in the way he's established the nature of Vedic knowledge as reliable and a Purusheya and all this coming down. Now we're coming and he's, he's taken us down to this one point. Now, he's going to present at the end of this section Srimad Bhagavatam as the play, way to go. And then in the next little section, a few Anuchedas, he's going to say, and this is, this is the validity of my conclusion 
That's all he's doing. He's doing this for us to show us the validity of his presentation. Let's talk about the three modes. As we said in the last Anocheta, he presented the fact that the Puranas are, are divided according to the mentalities of humanity. So, where should we take our Purana if we're looking for the best knowledge? Then he gives some, some presentation for us to, to consider in this regard. First he quotes from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Satvam yad brahma darsanam. The mode of goodness is the best way to attain the absolute truth through realization. Well, that's good. Maybe we should stick with Puranas in that realm. And then he confirms it with Bhagavad Gita. Satvat sanjayate jnana rajaso loba evacha pramada Modhau Tamaso Bhavato Gyanam Evacha from the fourteenth chapter. From the mode of goodness real knowledge develops. From the mode of passion, greed develops, and from the mode of ignorance develop foolishness, madness, and illusion. Okay, so two arguments here, one from Bhagavatam, one from Bhagavad Gita, which kind of give us a leaning, well, if we want knowledge, we should go to the, at least those Puranas that are in the mode of goodness. The others, I mean, especially from Krishna's verse in the Gita, are not going to serve us well. When we look at the Puranas, they also put forth different deities, different istadevas, different goals of, of worship. And those goals are what? According to the modes of material nature and the desires of humanity who are approaching those Puranas for knowledge. So, Rajas and Thomas, what are they? They're about becoming, becoming, become, be all that you can be, uh, is what Rajas is all about. Whatever you may want to be, become all that you can be. Become the king of the world, acquire whatever you want, those Puranas, and then the mode of ignorance is just, it's static. It's characteristic, stasis. It's, there's, there's nothing happening there. And what he points out is the speaker of the Purana, you can tell the nature of a Purana by the way, to, to a good extent, by the way the, the speaker is questioned. So if the speaker is questioned in such a way that he has freedom <coughs> in his answer to deal soundly with Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan, then that is generally in the mode of goodness. You're giving spe the speaker freedom uh, to respond in a way that will lead you to the absolute truth. Otherwise, this, the questioning could be very conditional. How do I get to heaven? How do I get a new wife? How do I, how do I, how do I? All these conditional questions 
do not leave the speaker the freedom to give you the best knowledge. So you can note it, note from the Puranas and the way the questions are presented generally with some intelligence you can perceive the mode of the Purana. But the Puranas, even those in, in the mode of goodness, they also have some presentation. Uh, some advocate the path of yoga, some advocate the path of knowledge, and some advocate bhakti. Well, then why don't we just stick with the essence of the Upanishads? Remember, the Upanishads are one division, one of the four divisions of the Vedas. And if we're going to stick to the Upanishads, why don't we just stick to the essence or the cream of the Upanishads, which Vyasadeva gave us? Why should we take a chance with the Puranas? Again, Jiva is, is honing his argument. No, that's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good because if you take the Vedanta Sutra, Sutra, which is that essence, you'll notice that there's different conclusions arrived at by different thinkers and logicians. They all have their, if they have a valid Sampradaya, they have a different commentary on Vedanta Sutra. And not only that, but there are other great thinkers that have their own, have come forth with their own songs, their sutras, Patanjali, Guttama, which, which do not strive for the same conclusion as Vedanta Sutra. So there's differing attitudes there. He closes it with, let's look at the Bhagavatam. If we look at the Bhagavat Purana, it has all the characteristics of a Purana going for it. It, has the it actually has ten characteristics of a Purana. It's a Purusheya, of course. It's divine sound vibration, Sabda Brahman. Uh, it's a natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra itself. So it brings out what should what is the proper conclusion from the Vedanta Sutra. So we don't need to go to any other commentary of the Vedanta Sutra. We could bring into to light here, of course, the position of the Govinda Bhashya, which is what? It's not it's just superfluous to the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. It was done simply to appease those people that said, well, if you say you're a valid Sampradaya, you need a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Baladev was char given charge, and he said, I don't, okay. He went to the deity, please help me here. Right, okay, I'll dictate a commentary. We'll satisfy the people that need a commentary. So that to give credibility to to the line of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu, let us have give them a commentary. But the natural commentary is Srimad Bhagavatam. It's available in its entirety. It's it's all there. All eight all twelve cantos and hundreds of chapters and eighteen thousand verses is complete. 
it has very respectable Vaishnavacharyas who can what? Actualize it. These are valid sampradayas that are available to us if we're going to enter into this knowledge of Srimad Bhagavatam. It's the most popular of all the Puranas. Even amongst the Advaitins, they, they themselves also accept Srimad Bhagavatam, Sankaracharya. And it's the culmination of all of Srila Vyasadeva's literary output. He gave us so much, but the culmination of everything he gave is the Srimad Bhagavatam. In glorifying Srimad Bhagavatam in this way, Jiva Goswami is giving full credit to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself summed it up very simply. Srimad Bhagavatam is the spotless Purana. So it's Kali Yuga, we can approach the Puranas, and this is the spotless one. There's not a blemish to be found. It's not touched by the modes of material nature. That brings us to a section of Anuchedas from 19 to 26. And in these eight Anuchedas, Srila Jiva Goswami proceeds to establish the complete validity of Srimad Bhagavatam. Now I know it may seem when we when we you know we've been what is I don't know what class this is six or seven six class it seems like a lot of detailed knowledge to get here. And and now even now we're entering into oh what we're gonna talk about more epistemology we're going to talk more about the validity of the knowledge that's being produced. Why can't you just say Srimad Bhagavatam is the best and move on? I mean, this is really, is it boring? I hope it's not boring. But there's a reason to this. It establishes us firmly in an understanding of what is our Sampradaya. What is the validity of our Sampradaya? What is the validity of what we accept as the supreme praman, the supreme evidence around which all of our practice revolves, around which all of the inner relationships that fuel that practice, the sambandha gyan, is, is formulated. All of this, our whole universe as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, revolves around the revelation of Srimad Bhagavatam. So it's important that we feel completely comfortable in accepting this praman, this evidence as to the nature of being that we're convinced beyond any reasonable doubt. So I realize these classes are like sitting in a courtroom 
and we're hearing so much testimony from Srila Jiva Goswami. But there is some great significance in these satsandarvas. And I realize we're only in the beginning and it's tatvasandarva and it's, it's a little heady at times and a little thick. It may even seem a little repetitious. But repetition of a good thing is a good thing. It won't hurt your devotional life. And uh, it may not be so packed, jam-packed with Leela, but hopefully uh, we can make it interesting as we go forward, as as Jiva has made it interesting. And the and, but the but the prime thing is, it should give us some real satisfaction of heart. It should give us some real deeper, deep confidence in this Krishna consciousness and the movement of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We could just say, well, Lord Chaitanya said it's a spotless Purana. What's all this other knowledge? Well, Krishna even says in the Bhagavad Gita, what? what's all this detailed knowledge? With a single fragment, so with a single sound from my flute. But how does that flute sound come into our heart and effectuate the revelation, that's what. We need to be so convinced that that sound can actually penetrate through the iron-like shell which has encrusted our existence. If we can learn just a little bit of how it works, it will help it work on us. So let's talk about the Srimad Bhagavatam's epistemological validity. Srimad Bhagavatam is Vedic in origin. Good. It's transhuman and transconceptual. It can be approached as subda, transcendental sound. In order for it to, to have some true effect, there has to be some activation. It's sabda, it's aporusheya. It can effectuate that activation in the proper atmosphere. Again, we're talking about re self-realization. We all want to experience our true inner self, our true spiritual self. It, can't, it has to be more than an intellectualization to satisfy the heart. Otherwise, it's religion. It's just a religious orientation. And when the going gets rough, if we have no experience of our spiritual nature, then religion sometimes can be turned away from. But you can't turn away from yourself once you know your true self. It's you. It's your, it is your existence. So if we can actualize that knowledge, how great a thing is that? How profound is that? That's not going anywhere. That is so profound 
that at the time of death there will be no fear whatsoever. Imagine that. There's a real difference in, in having this, this transcendental knowledge at our disposal and having actualized it and, and taken it in and acted upon it. The more we do that, the more it has a profound effect. Tasmad Gurum, it requires activation. We already mentioned Tasmad Gurum Prapajeta Jignasu Shreya Uttama. If we want the best good, we must have the good association of the bona fide spiritual master. By entering into this knowledge of the Srimad Bhagavatam, keys are provided to us to unlock our consciousness so that we can actually understand. When we hear statements like the Srimad Bhagavatam is the natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, we can actualize those. We can realize those. They have some great, great significance for us. Or the Srimad Bhagavatam is the essence of Gayatri. So let's start Anucheda 19. Srimad Bhagavatam is natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra and the essence of Gayatri. Indeed, Lord Vyas was not satisfied even after compiling all the Puranas and the Vedanta Sutra. He therefore brought forth Srimad Bhagavatam, which was revealed to him in trance as a natural commentary on his own sutras. In Srimad Bhagavatam we find the consistent reconciliation of all scriptures, as understood from the fact that the Bhagavatam's true truth revelation unfolds directly from the Gayatri Mantra, the embodiment of the essential meaning of all the Vedas. Uh, it goes on to explain uh, in the Matya Purana, Srimad Bhagavatam is put forth as the ultimate truth uh, of the Gayatri Mantra. Uh, there's ha it has some other characteristics. Not only does it begin with Gayatri, but it also uh, tells of the uh, killing of the demon Vritra, Vritrasura. It offers benedictions like other Puranas. Benedictions, if you copy this Purana, remember this was the primary way of of the printing press back in the day of Srila Jiva Goswami and Srila Vyasadev when he presented the, the, all of his written Vedic information. So if you copy it, 18,000 verses, you place it on a lion throne and you give it to somebody on the, what is it, the full moon day of the Bhadra month which is August-September, you acquire the ultimate destination and your family. The story of Vritrasura is there. It has this benedictorial potency. It's that powerful that if you do this, it will you will get the result of the benediction. It presents the Gayatri Mantra and it has 18,000 verses. It so comes... Why is the story of Vritrasura? It does, it, we'll get to that. 
In fact, we're going to get to a, a comparison of this piranha with one other piranha, which is so close that you can see why the necessity is there for all these detailed pieces of information. But that's a good question. Why? It's a, it's a, it gives us a designation to know the characteristics of the piranha. And remember, a lot of these characteristics are provided in other piranhas, like this, this one's from the Machi piranha. These are characteristics of the Srimad Bhagavatam. But it's referring to the Bhagavatam that hadn't yet been written because, you know. Mm. So, Praman, it's evidence. Again, if you're in a court of law, then you need sufficient evidence to prove your case. That means, that means you need to make sure that all that you put forth as evidence is verifiable. He actually is a doctor. He's performed many autopsies. He is, a, he is the primary expert on gunshot wounds. So when I put him on the stand, you can, you, you can rely on what he has to say. And he can get my client off if he's good at it. And the third section of this Anucheda deals with Gayatri, and I'm going to I'm going to deal with that a little separately. So, so let's look at Srila Vyasadeva's little little literary contribution because at the end of the last section, it's put forth that well this is the culmination of all his work. So how did this work come about? Well we. We heard last class about Gautama Muni and how he stole the Vedas away because the Brahmins tricked him with a fake cow and made him think he killed a cow and then they left because they were tired of being asked to stay repeatedly after the famine. And okay, that whole story was there and the Vedas were robbed away. He, he performed his austerities and he got his benediction. He said, I want the Vedas. I don't want the Brahmins to have them. They tricked me. That was his desire. So Vyasadeva himself had to come because he had to present them all again. And so Dwarparuga is there, he presents the Veda, and then he proceeds to write it down. So he arranged the four Vedas so that he could present them literally. Uh, he composed the Mahabharat for the lesser, lesser, less intelligent, non-Brahminical class, Sri, Sudra, Dwijabandhu, those that don't have the qualification for the uh, Upanaya Samskara, sacred thread. They're unqualified. Without that qualification, you can't even approach the Veda. So therefore, the Mahabharata is there. Then he compiled the Puranas, the 18 Puranas. So you may have a question, well, isn't that the Srimad Bhagavatam included in that? Yeah, it is. It was included in a very concise form. Okay? He didn't, he didn't sh let it shine the way it needed to in relationship to everything else that he presented um, as far as transcendental knowledge for humanity at the time. Then he put forth the Vedanta Sutra, uh, which was the essence of the Vedas and the Puranas. And then he was discontent. 
and lamenting. His spiritual master showed up, and we know the rest of that story. He said, you didn't give enough emphasis to Srimad Bhagavatam, to the actual essence of all this transcendental knowledge. The essence which leads to the actual fulfillment of the living entities. So, Narada said, this is from the Bhagavatam, Although, great sage, you have very boldly described the four principles beginning with religious performance, you have not described the glories of the Supreme Personality, Vasudeva. So, Artha, Dharma, Karma, Moksha were fully covered. But what about the Absolute Truth? So Vasudev, under the instruction of Nara, entered into Samadhi, and the Srimad Bhagavatam revealed itself in full to him in that trance. Beginning with Gayatri, and then folded from there. According to Sridhar Swami, he has a commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam. His commentary is called Bhavartha Dipika. It's very important because why? Because Lord Chaitanya was completely, completely gave significance to Sridhar Swami's commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam. So, Bhavartha Dipika. And he mentions in his commentary on the very first verse that the Srimad Bhagavatam brings out the essence of Gayatri through the word Dimahi. Now we don't notice the full Gayatri in the first verse of Bhagavatam, but the essence of what is Gayatri is there. Now why can't the Gayatri itself be there? Because Srimad Bhagavatam can be approached by anybody. They don't have to be twice born. So it's available in humanity, for humanity, for the upliftment of humanity, but it has no prerequisites. No adhikari is required. If you can acquire good guidance, then you can be given the benefit of Srimad Bhagavatam. And, as the Bhagavatam itself says, through the mouth of Sutta Goswami, Nigama Kalpa Taror Galitam Falam. O expert and thoughtful man, relish Srimad Bhagavatam. It is the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. So the strict rules of person, time, place, and purification that govern Vedic mantras do not apply to the Srimad Bhagavatam. Time, place, circumstance, sacrifice, all, all the requirements that are there for the, for the, that are normally there in order to enter into Brahma Sabda, Sabda Brahman, transcendental sound vibration, uh, are not required. So for this reason, Gayatri does not appear in her full form, uh, but her essence is there in the word Dimahi that 
appears in the very first verse. Should we end with the discussion of Gayatri or begin? Let us begin next class with a little in-depth discussion on Gayatri Mantra as put forth from Bhakti Rakshak Sridhardev Goswami. Uh, he's written a commentary which really brings out the essence of Gayatri as viewed in our specific Sampradaya, the Madhvagadiya. So are there any questions on what we have discussed? Thank you so much for your association.